the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. This account in the scriptures is really teaching you your walk with Christ. It's really teaching the believer how that Christ comes to us. We don't come to him, he comes to us. And he comes to us in our mess. And when he comes to us in our mess, he comes to us in our mess as a sovereign God with a total plan to lead us all the way to himself. Hi there, and welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Our message today comes to us from John chapter 9, verses 24 through 38. The path of the just leads to Christ, which sounds kind of odd because it is only Christ who makes one just, and the just then become followers of Christ. And today we want to focus in on what it means to follow Christ in the obedience of the Word, the Master's Word and the Master's Work. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Does God touch us with His grace before He shows us His Son's face? Does the normative work of the salvation of the people of God first require a touch before a revelation? Does the work of God in the preaching of the gospel and the message of redemption first impact men on a level of experience by which the power of the gospel brings them into a submission to the propositional terms of Jesus Christ and then in process of time reveal to them more particularly the face of Jesus Christ. I'll say it one more time and let it settle in with you because I actually believe the way I'm framing it is exactly the experience of most believers. It certainly is for those of you who have followed with, followed with us in our text, the experience of this blind man, wasn't it? The experience of the blind man was not that he saw Christ first, but that he felt Christ first. That he experienced the power of Christ first. And the power led him to the revelation. And that's something you want to think through, child of God, because we really do want to be able to explain this thing we call salvation. Does the grace of God first touch you in its propositional power and so humble you that you are aware that you are now being dealt with by God? And over time, through process of time, through that very mechanism of preaching and teaching and the providence of God and circumstances in your life and troubles and struggles and issues, you come to discover more acutely who Jesus is. Is that possibly the truth? 
It must be the truth, child of God, if you actually believed that you were blind before you could see. It must be the truth if you and I were unqualified to know anything about the kingdom of God until the kingdom of God comes in power to bring us into that revelation of Christ. And if this is so, then Proverbs 4.18 is true of us as well. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. Or as Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7 through 9. And I want you to see it this way because Peter explains essentially the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7 through 9. And ask yourself, is this your experience as well? He says that the trying of your faith being much more precious than that of gold which perisheth, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory. When? At the appearing of Jesus Christ. Can you see the process? That your faith is tried and tried and tried to be proven whether or not there was a real vital work of grace in your life. And it's only affirmed as being honorable and acceptable at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now watch the language as it goes on further. Wherein we greatly rejoice... Now for a season, if need be, however, you are in heaviness. I'm sorry, verse 8. Whom having not seen, you what? In whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Did Peter say there's a real sense in which we have never seen Jesus? Is he saying also, therefore, that the ultimate scene of Jesus is the final eschatological promise of the people of God? Can you see then the pattern of it laid out in John's Gospel chapter 9? Can you see it? Can you see how that John's Gospel is explaining to us in the particulars of who Messiah is? The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. Now watch how Peter closes his language out because this will help you grasp the term salvation, sozo, or soteria, more accurately. Peter says in verse Uh, 9, after having said, you not believing, yet rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, you are receiving the end of your what? Faith. Even the what? Salvation of your soul. So your faith has a beginning. And then your faith has a middle part. We call it process. And then it has a telos, a completion. Do you believe that? Your faith has a beginning, it has a process, and then it has a consummation. What? Peter says is, we receive the end of our faith, even the salvation of our total being. It is true then, is it not, that salvation is not just a kind of one-time act, a particular uh, experience of grace way back then that does not carry itself into a state of fruition. It is true that you and I are moving from grace to grace, from faith to faith, from a Uh, early more novice knowledge of Christ to a greater understanding of Christ and ultimately one day do we not desire to see him face to face it's true then that the just shall live by what and Hebrews 11 6 says now faith is the substance of what and the evidence of what not seen Is it true then that we are waiting to ultimately see that perfect day 
wherein in seeing him will be just like him. All right, then I want to work through three major points as a final observation of uh, the Lord's work in this man's life under the title of the path of the just leads to what? The path of the just leads to Christ. Now, I know you believe that, don't you? The path of the just leads to Christ. And the sub-point is really the priority of faith. And what I want to do is make sure that as we go back and highlight some of the things we dealt with before, that you're able to grasp that this account in the scriptures is really teaching you your walk with Christ. It's really teaching the believer how that Christ comes to us. We don't come to him, he comes to us. And he comes to us in our mess. And when he comes to us in our mess, he comes to us in our mess as a sovereign God with a total plan to lead us all the way to himself. And he who hath begun a good work in you will what? Perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the part that gets a little bit tricky. The process. And so I appreciate this blind man more and more and more as I read about his interaction and response to Christ. This is the thing that humbles me about the relationship between this blind man and Christ. I am nowhere near as obedient to Christ with eyes as this man was without eyes. The progression and the development and the interaction and the depths to which this man found himself in the middle of redemptive drama, holding on to the hand of Christ, saying what he knew was to be true, and then perceptibly observing how God kept him all the way, even in the midst of being abandoned by everybody, only to lift up his eyes, and see the Lord of glory standing right there. So I know this little Sunday school boy could go, ah, oh, now I remember the psalm. When my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And as we read in our, our singing our last hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious and wonderful face. Is that true for the child of God? All right, then here are... Uh, three points that I want to deal with. The first is the priority of faith. The priority of faith. Point number one, to follow Christ in the obedience of the what? In the obedience of the word. And I'm being particular now because I do want to close it out with helping you work through the instrumentality by which our faith grows. The, the priority of faith in its obedience to follow Christ in his what? His word. The Lord Jesus had just said in the previous chapter, chapter 8, verse 31, these words. If you are my disciple, you will what? Continue in my word. And you will what? Know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Is that what Jesus said in the previous chapter to the same group of people that are opposing him now? He said, now if you are my disciples, and I'm going to pick up on that again a little down the line. If you're my disciples, you'll be known by this. You'll be known by following me through my word. Got a whole lot of people call themselves disciples, but they have no abiding relationship with Christ through his word. Now I want to show you something quickly under point number one. Point number one says, the priority of faith to follow Christ in the obedience of his word. Will you notice what verse seven says? After Christ had done this miraculous sort of an enigmatic gesture of playing in the dirt, as we stated before, redeeming sinners is what? Dirty work. So he made mud pies and put it on this man's eyes. 
And he said unto him, go wash in the pool of what? Siloam, which is by interpretation said. He went his way therefore and washed and came seen. I want to show you two things in this particular point and then we're going to move forward. The word of command, the voice of imperative, the instructions that Christ gave the blind man to go wash came with no promise of anything. The Lord Jesus Christ simply told him to go to the pool and wash. This is remarkable. Because you and I would want promises with qualifiers and little tidbits of evidence before we even go. The Lord Jesus has taken this man, touched this man, told this man to go, and didn't even promise him a blessing out of it. Is that remarkable? Well, I want to show you two truths that come out of this. When the Lord tells this man to go and he goes, you know how this man is viewing the Lord as his master. Sub point A. Sub point A. Do you see it in your sub point? So when the word of God is really the authority of God in the life of the people of God, then God becomes our master. And the master's word is to be obeyed without question. I love it because this is what is stated in the gospel of Matthew chapter 8. Verses 8 and 9, you guys remember that account where our Lord Jesus uh, was required by a ruler to pray for his family member. In Matthew chapter 8, mark it again in verse 8 and 9, these interesting words. It says, now the centurion answered and said unto the Lord when he wanted them to heal him. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Here it is. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, what? Go. And he goes. And to another man, what? Come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And what? He does it. And our Lord Jesus said, ain't no faith in Israel like this. That's what he just stated. And do you know why? The man was teaching the king-servant relationship. The master-servant relationship. And what I am saying to you, going back to our text now, because I do want to move quickly for today, is that this blind man is amazing to me because he has no promise. He's simply being compelled to obey the man that touched him. He's going to the water with no promise of anything. It just says wash. He affirmed that himself, remember? When they asked him, how did your eyes open? A man named Jesus told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. That's all it said. It does not render a promise. It doesn't give conditions or anything. This man is acting on one thing, the master's word. You guys got that? I'll show you one more thing here in this point that I think is really important to know. He's not only acting on the master's word, he's acting on the master's work. He's acting on the master's work. What do you mean? The master didn't only speak to him, the master touched him. See, some are hearing the word and others are being touched by the word they hear. Some are only hearing the word and not being touched. But others are, being, are hearing the word and being touched by that word. And as such, Christ is not only the voice speaking to their soul and sovereign authority, but the power that is moving them by his word to obey him. Now remember what Christ said to the disciples 
He said to the disciples in John chapter 14, uh, around verse 11 and 12, when the disciples were really struggling with this, Lord, show us the Father and it will suffice us. And the Lord Jesus says, have I not been with you so long and you still haven't seen the Father in me? Not that he and the Father are the same, but in order to see the Father, you must what? He says, now, if you don't see the Father in me by what I have said, you ought to see him by what I have done. I'm getting ready to press something home to you guys because our study in the I Am statements of Jesus are not just academic studies about Christ to argue whether or not he was a son of God or God or just a great prophet. These studies are to affirm emphatically without a doubt that God was manifest in the flesh to the highest level of governmental authority and civil authority. See, the phrase I am in that Roman culture at the time was a legal documentation of the presence of a ruler or an authority. And as such, the people had to reckon with his power and his government. And if they didn't, they would suffer the consequences. In other words, for Christ to say, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the true vine was for him to tell Israel and summons Israel to let them know God has shown up. Not only had he done that for Israel, but he had done it for the Roman Empire as well. In other words, everyone is going to be guilty of rejecting the claims of Christ because he's going to affirm his I am statements by miracles and works that cannot be denied by anyone. So when you and I are reading these wonderful statements, the ego I me statements, read them with this in view. God has come to bear witness to the world that he is true and not a liar. And that even though God has been on trial since the beginning of time, because this is all a trial that we're dealing with. I'm going to hone in on that in a moment. You and I are dealing with trials. God has been on trial since the day he told Adam and Eve, don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God has been on trial since the day that the Angels filled with Satan and thought to take God's throne and have dominion over the world. God's been on trial every time he has implemented a redemptive plan by which he tells the world, if you come to me, I'll save you. If you don't, you're going to perish. We heard a trial this morning in Sunday school. A hundred years plus, the world was on trial and God was on trial. What was the world saying to God? God is a liar. God is not true. God will not do what he says, but God has proven every time that he'll do what he says. In the text that you and I are dealing with, we are dealing with a trial. Didn't I affirm that before? Then I tell you that this is trial number two. Trial number one was in the eighth chapter when the rulers took a woman and thrust her into the midst of Christ, having already tried her because their real objective was to, to do what? Try him. Having already condemned her, condemned her because their real objective was to do what? Condemn him. And now Christ has done what? A quid pro quo. He has returned the favor and placed into their presence not his work, but his father's work. Look again back at verse 4. Remember what he said to the disciples in verse 4? I must work the works of him that what? While it is day, the night comes when no man can work. And remember what he told his disciples? This man's condition is for one thing, the glory of God. So what you and I are dealing with is God's intervention into human affairs 
to prove to human beings that he is who he is. And also to prove that he sent his only begotten son into the world. And in the process of proving that, he is saving his people. Now, isn't that how God works? God is always affirming to the world that he is true. The world is being brought under judgment. As they try God, God tries them. And they always lose the trial. That's what I learned this morning. Except those who are found in the ark. And this blind man has been found in the ark as well. A grander ark than Noah's ark. And as a consequence, he has been tried by men and God and has prevailed over all of them. And this is the promise of all of God's people. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. So to follow Christ in the obedience of his word is to hearken to the master's word without condition. And then to hearken to the master's work as evidence that it's true. And so we clearly see in verse 4 that Christ is working and he affirms the nature and character of that work in verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the what of the world? Ladies and gentlemen, the blind man becomes a clear model of that. The blind man is a testimony that what Christ is saying is true. And this idea of light shining out of darkness as we stated two weeks ago and last week, it is the original motif coming up out of the creation narrative, Genesis 1, 1 through 3, is it not? And in that creation narrative, we discovered that God has chosen to put order and clarity and purpose in this world by casting light into it. Let there be light. And in the manifestation of God's light, and remember, I think I told you, Genesis 1, 3 is not the light of the latter verses is of Genesis chapter 1 where God gave us the moon and the sun and the stars. This is a supernatural light. It is the light of Christ that separates the darkness from the light and the day from the night. And you and I are seeing in our text, are we not? A division between those who can see and those who can't see. A division between the night and the darkness. Can you see it? A division because of who? Jesus. He is always a divider. Because the issue will always be, do you believe that I am the Son of God? Let's then move to our second point then. Not only does the priority of faith require that you follow Christ in the obedience of the Word, but it requires that you fight for the glory of His truth. That's the thing that you come to learn when you're a Christian. When God saves you, He brings you into His army. And when he brings you you into his army, you must then be prepared to engage men and women, friends and relatives, foes and everyone as to who Jesus is because you now have been enlisted to be part of the controversy of God. God's going to make you part of the controversy. Here, this blind man is in the center of a controversy, is he not? He's been drawn into the center by the sovereignty of Christ. Now, he is not the real issue of the controversy. Christ is. But that's why Christ told his disciples, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. And so whenever you really take Christ seriously, you got to be ready for the hatred and vitriol and antipathy and hostility of men against Jesus. Now, you got to get that because here's what will happen in your life. If you don't know that you are in a constant spiritual warfare, you will think that it's about you. Right. The moment you do understand this, you're going to lose that battle. You're going to lose that trial because actually you don't have a standing. Your only standing is Christ. 
Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, If you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5, or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com, or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX, in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you'd like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.